This is your LA Business and Jobs Forecast, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. We explore action plans that you can apply to improve your income, investments, and career progression. Roger Turnaden, Director of Business and Legal Programs for UCLA Extension, is your host. He brings over 30 years of leadership experience with global companies, including Senior Vice President and Director of Worldwide Marketing for American International Group and a similar global position with Transamerica Insurance Group. He is also a certified financial planner an NYU Stern School PhD, and brings years of experience advising private business owners and high net worth individuals. Roger's passion is to better understand the interrelationships and connectivity of global economics and impactful market financial trends. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Today, we are going to discuss the major disconnect between official headlines reporting quote-unquote low unemployment and high economic growth, which is not accurate, and how many companies are planning workforce reductions as the implementation of artificial intelligence rapidly increases. In the prior episode, we showed that inflation is far higher than reported by the monthly cost of living reports and the hedonics of underreported price increases. This systemic underreporting serves to overreport economic growth while penalizing those on fixed incomes. Importantly, low reported inflation directly results in low or no Social Security adjustments while putting off Social Security bankruptcy to future political administrations. In brief, the appearance of low inflation and a growing economy is comforting to hear month after month, but it's far from the reality we are experiencing. This episode will move on to unemployment, another measure of economic health. We'll share with you concerns that the month-to-month low unemployment reports have credibility and reliability issues, including these. Some years ago, a large segment of unemployed Americans were dropped completely from the official surveys. Secondly, there are two major surveys that cannot be reconciled. One measures the number of jobs, not the number of job holders, number of jobs. And we know many who hold two or more jobs. The other measures the number of people who worked in the past 30 days, not the number who hold full-time jobs, or even those who have more than one part-time job. This is worth repeating. One measures the number of jobs and the other measures the number of people who have worked in the past 30 days. Apples and oranges, wouldn't you say? To add to the misunderstandings generated by headline reports, there are actually two measures of official unemployment, with one reporting under 4% unemployment and the other reporting about twice that rate, 7%. The news is saying that the economy is at full employment and that jobs are hard to fill. What am I missing? Are you saying that unemployment is a major problem? That's exactly right. All of this ties together, as you'll soon see. Let's first address a key misconception, the employment and unemployment reports. It's key to understand better whether or not more people have full-time jobs. 
By now, after Episodes 1 and 2, you may be getting used to considering economic information headlines that camouflage real economic and jobs issues. Let's take a minute or two and acknowledge overarching facts on data collection. The headline unemployment reports go to extremes to exclude those who quit looking for jobs due to job search discouragement. In the 1990s, the federal agencies who do the surveys eliminated from further tracking approximately 5 million workers who were unemployed for over a year. In other words, this large group was forever dropped in the unemployed calculation. This elimination continues through today, although the numbers are much smaller than the 5 million due to attrition through death. That being said, a new group of unemployed people outside the surveys has been emerging for years, those giving up job searches as well as those just mentioned. Also, importantly, the headline unemployment series emphasized by the government and media is called the U3 series. That's the letter U with a dash and the number three. This highly touted index captures only those actively looking for a job. Keyword is actively looking. However, an index that is more comprehensive but seldom quoted is the U6. This quote by the Federal Reserve summarizes their view. Quote, of note, Many economic observers use the U6 rate as a closer proxy of the actual unemployment rate rather than that depicted by the U3 measure. The good news is the U6 measuring approximately 7% unemployment this year is almost the same as it was in the year 2000, or just before the dot-com stock market drop and the subsequent recession of 2001, and also the financial meltdown and recession of 2009. Based on our prior observations of trends and channels, we have climbed back to a U6 unemployment rate of about 7%, which is the, the lowest part of the trend channel, with some new and substantial job challenges ahead. In another minute or two, we'll get to these challenges, which everyone should think about. The bad news is that we have a record number defined out of even the U6 measure, including those who have given up looking for a job for more than 12 months. We know this number is very large but only have indirect ways to estimate its magnitude. For example, the number of those dependent on food stamps is 12% of the entire U.S. population. This percentage has been increasing as the measured unemployment rates have been decreasing. This seems a bit counterintuitive to me, but you judge for yourself. For perspective, over 1 million in Los Angeles County receive food stamps versus about 700,000 10 years ago. This is really uncomfortable given that Los Angeles County only has 3.2 million households. As previously mentioned, an ongoing issue with unemployment measurement is that those who give up looking after a year get dropped out and are no longer counted as unemployed. Private sector researchers have estimated that a consistent measure of unemployment, if that was applied over the past 10 or 20 years, would yield real unemployment well above 10%. But we'll stop here as the water gets pretty deep. There are many adjustments, and it's beyond our scope and time to go through them. The water is definitely deep enough, but let me just see if I can summarize. First, the headline unemployment data released every month and quoted by the media and politicians has some serious issues in understanding real unemployment. Second, even the U-6 or the U-6 index, which is rarely quoted, shows unemployment over 7%. But that index doesn't include many who have stopped looking for work past a year. 
if the number of unemployed that were not included in the U6 index were accounted for, the unemployment would actually be over 10%. So where does this all lead? Let me just summarize why we're talking about this at all. The thought is that 3 or 4% reported economic growth takes care of employment issues. It doesn't. First of all, 3 or 4% reported economic growth, well, could be zero. And even at zero, if it's not negative, we are generating more and more people who are outside of the unemployment data collection series. Let's shift gears and address the really large challenges to our job marketplace over the next few years. There are two major trends that are getting underway, and they will create major issues for future job growth. The first is the rapid growth in productivity underway. What this means is that products and services are produced with fewer and fewer workers. Recently, the UCLA Anderson School forecast discussed findings with respect to three key U.S. industry groups as well as the U.S. economy in total. You can find the link on this study and even more in this episode's description on SoundCloud. Durable goods manufacturing, for example, over the past 10 years has grown at 5.3% annually. That's pretty good news. However, the unemployment in this industry segment shows only a 2.5% annual growth rate, so the number of workers is growing half as fast. If we take the information sector, which includes software publishing, telecommunications, data processing, web services, and so forth, over the same 10-year period, revenues have grown at 9.4% a year, but the number of workers have grown at only 2.6% a year. That's even better productivity. The third example professional, scientific, and technical services over the same 10-year period have grown at 8% per year, but employment in that sector has grown at only 4.3% per year. You get the idea. And you know that Google, Facebook, Amazon, and non-traditional companies have a very high revenue for each employee. Now consider where the high internet-related trends are taking us. Intermediaries, including wholesalers, agents, and brokers, face replacement with direct buyer-seller relationships as well as direct buyer-seller deliveries. We're seeing that now, so that's not a big surprise. The magnitude of the replacement may be a surprise. Another example, this month, Wells Fargo announced they are on track to cut mortgage processing costs by 10 to 20%. Read this as fewer employees needed. They added that, quote, big data would allow more surgical marketing and cloud computing could also yield significant savings, unquote. Across the entire banking industry, they also announced that in the United States, banks will cut more than 200,000 jobs in future years based on improved use of technologies. It's pretty well known that technology is pressuring real estate as well as insurance agents and brokers as buyers seek direct relationships with lower commission costs and improved internet accessibility of information. Finally, those from UCLA who have made recent trips to China to their factories find maybe a counterintuitive image. They find a small number of supervisors and a large number of robotic manufacturing processes. This is the future of resurgence in United States manufacturing. You know, I've been thinking about artificial intelligence and the wide use of robotics. Are these things that the next generation needs to be concerned about? Because this is sounding like a wake-up call. Is Skynet coming? <laughs> yes, I think Skynet may already be here. 
and I don't think it's the next generation, I think it's us. You may be correct, as many companies are getting their data prepared for AI applications right now. And quite a few of them are conducting AI-related pilot tests that will emerge with workflow and job definition changes over the next year or two. There's time to prepare and ride the wave instead of getting hit by it, though. We at UCLA Extension are presently revising our accounting, finance, and internal audit classes for inclusion of AI preparation, learning objectives, and exercises for next year. We are also working toward an AI conference early next year in which we'll begin work with AI application leaders and Los Angeles-based businesses that are in the application planning stages today. We all need to be thinking about the next phase of our rapidly evolving digital economy. Every job will be impacted in some way, and job preparation for any career pathway is going to be impacted sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk long term. Are there specific jobs that will be more impacted than others? What additional information can you share with us now? At the risk of sounding a little bit scary, I want to share research that the UCLA Anderson School has started to address in rank order the jobs that will be replaced by artificial intelligence. And I'm going to be a little bit soft on this and say that significant parts of these jobs will be replaced by AI, not the whole job. And we're talking about a timeline of about 20 years. So let me just give you a flavor of the jobs that they have found. And I have a link I'll put on the SoundCloud page so you can see this for yourself. Telemarketers are at the top of the list, as you might suspect. 99% likelihood of replacement over the next 20 years. Accountants and auditors, surprisingly, 94%. Again, that's not total replacement, but you may imagine key job functions that AI will be replacing. Retail salespersons, 92%. I think Amazon is showing how that works. Technical writers, 89%. These are replacement. Real estate agents, 86%. Word processors, 81%. Machinists, 65%. I suspect that is as AI uh, is linked with robotics and 3D printing, but that's just my view. Commercial pilots, 55%. Get ready to fly in pilotless airplanes. Economists, 43%. You see, I have my own challenges. Health technologies, 40%. Actors, 37%. Animation is rapidly replacing actors, as you know. It's too bad, but I don't see politicians on this list. Job categories that AI and robotics find too challenging so we humans probably continue have to do it, are recreational therapists, dentists, thank goodness, athletic trainers, chemical engineers, editors, firefighters, and there are more, but again, the link to the summary PowerPoint is provided on the SoundCloud page. Just take the above to consider trends in your own career planning. I had no idea so many economic reports had so many possibilities for misstatement on our economic and job situations. I mean, how much more could there possibly be? I think I just really need to take a break and really review these podcasts one more time to remind me where we are and where we're going next week. I totally get that. Here are my suggestions based on our podcast so far. Don't get caught up in the month-to-month economic reports as they're likely seriously flawed. I gave you a flavor of the important flaws. There are more, though. Do recognize that we will have a snapback to the long-term trends, which means we'll experience the opposite of the years we've seen above trend. More specifically, we are due for these changes sooner rather than later. Next year, at the latest, in my opinion. 
What does that mean? It means interest rates will move significantly higher. The economy, which has been stagnant, will get worse and add stresses to already challenged businesses, employers, and employees. Home prices will move lower in most cities and foreclosures will increase. The job market, which is overall stagnant, will become more polarized. Companies are finding ways to increase productivity, which means fewer employees with little additional capital investment. Artificial intelligence, robotics, and software advances are rapidly changing the jobs picture. Check out online photos of auto manufacturing plants and you'll see. Equally as dramatic, finance and credit companies are now phasing in digital customer service, digital credit screening, and mortgage processing. U.S. banks are on track to cut 200,000 bank jobs, which is over 10% of all bank jobs. As I mentioned, Wells Fargo specifically plans to reduce mortgage processing costs by 10 to 20%, but additionally plans for big data and AI to give more surgical marketing. This will impact jobs in marketing as well as jobs in finance, accounting, and even internal audit. So all of this is happening real time right now. All right. Well, join us in two weeks where Roger discusses the near-term outlook for the L.A. jobs market. How is L.A. doing? What jobs are pegged for growth in L.A.? How is the L.A. job picture impacted by the global economy? And how does China trade fit into the picture? Remember to email him any of your questions or comments at rturnaden at uclaextension.edu. You're listening to UCLA Extension's Business and Jobs Forecast, expanding your financial mind to grow your financial wallet. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornaden. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.